Hi, welcome everybody to another segment of Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio and JRootRadio.com. Uh, remember, t- if you have any questions, call us in at 718-683-5858. You can also text us at 347-927-8398. The rabbi will be taking questions um, when he has time, so just hold on the line if you hear that's a little busy. Thank you very much, and now the rabbi. Thank you very much, David. And we are continuing in our halachot of Shabbat preparations. Like we do every week, we work off the Ben Ishai, the book, the Ben Ishai, in the second year, where he talks about the Halachot Shabbat in the first uh, couple of parashiyot. We are in parashat Lech Lecha. And here, we are in the middle of the parasha. We're up to halacha Yudbit. And Barzat Hashem, we hope to finish all the halachot of Shabbat preparations today. So the next week already we can move on to the next parasha, Parashat Vayera, which speaks about Kabbalah Shabbat and very important subjects. And just to give you a little bit of a heads up, and we hope, Barzat Hashem, Barzat Hashem, that this week is Rosh Chodesh Adar, Mishchanas Adam Abim Besimha. But Hashem gave us an extra Adar this year. And we hope that within the first month of Adar, we'll finish all the halachot that are needed for Kabbalah Shabbat. So we can jump into the halachot of Purim. I know it sounds like a little bit far away, but it's really not so much. About five, six weeks we're away from the hal- from Purim. And as I said, we'll go into the holiday s- segments already then. We'll do the Halachot of Purim. And from there, we will go on to Halachot Pesach, which are Mazat Hashem, uh, right, right after Halachot Purim. Anyway, let's get back to where we were. Last week, we discussed the importance of preparation of Shabbat. <coughs> that a person has to personally prepare for Shabbat Kodesh. It should be something... But done by Shliyah, anything, but, uh, but somebody has to do something. Each person has to do something that he personally should get, should, uh, should welcome in Shabbat Kodesh. Like we explained, many poskim bring down that the preparation of Shabbat is Hobat Haguf, like putting on Tefillin, where you can't send the Shliyah, you cannot make somebody a messenger to do it for you. You personally have to do it. The extent, the, uh, the amount that you want to prepare, that is up to you to decide, but everybody has to do something. We're up to Halakha Yudbit. And this halakha, the Benish Hai, discusses something a little bit Kabbalistic, but a very important concept. And let's first give you an introduction. The Mikubalim explained, now we, we all know, as a human being, this is uh, at least, if you listen to this part of the show, or, or you're listening to this show of halakha, I don't have to sit here and prove to you all the different things. Baruch Hashem, there's enough, Baruch Hashem out there, there's enough people out there, there's enough uh, classes out there that explain the human being, the neshama, the, that there is an afterlife, and there are all the p- different proofs to the Torah. We don't have to discuss it over here. You can listen to Rabbi Mizrahi every Tuesday, Baruch Hashem. He has plenty of material that he, that he could give, Baruch Hashem, very, very wonderfully as he does. Over here, you already know that you already have a soul. But the Mikubalim, what some people may not know, is that the Mikubalim explain, based on the Rizal, that the soul that we have is divided into five different parts. And the, there's a very, very holy book. The book is called Nefesh Hayim, written by the Sunnah of the Gra. And over there, he, he speaks at length three of the parts of the Neshama, the Nefesh, Ruach, and the Neshama. So what we know as a soul in English is really five different parts of it, and each one has a different function. The Mikubalim explained there's really five of them. Besides the Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama, there's also another two called Haya and Yahida. He, the Ben Ishai, tells us that a person has to prepare himself to receive the ex- those extra parts of the neshama throughout the week. We know the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says 
Pasuk says, on the seventh day Hashem rested and he, well really the word Shabbat means he stopped his work and he rested. And the Gemara makes a dirasha on the, pasu, on the word and the Gemara says like this, you can split up the word into two words, Vav Yud and then Nefesh, which could be read Vai Nefesh. Vai is like Oi. It seems like the person who making the dirasha was Ashkenazi, right? Vai Nefesh, woe to the soul. What soul is the Gemara? Well, Gemara says, what are, you, what are you talking about? Which soul are you saying woe to? It says the Gemara, the soul that leaves us on Motzei Shabbat. Because every Shabbat a person gets a Neshama Yetera, he gets that extra soul. And as the Gemara explains, <coughs> that's like this, that's the, what gives the flavor of Shabbat. The food tastes different on Shabbat. The atmosphere feels different on Shabbat. The Tiflot feels different. The person feels different. And on Motzei Shabbat and on Sunday, a person feels the difference. He feels how it left him. So the Mikubalim bring down that you have to prepare to receive that extra Neshama, but not just the Neshama, but rather the different parts of the Neshama throughout the week. And that's what the Benish High discusses in this Halakha. Pay attention, and by that we will learn together this Halakha inside the Benish High, and we'll see how to prepare ourselves for receiving those parts of the soul. Says the Benish High, Last week we ended off by talking about saying, reading, the men at least, at least the men, if one could do it also, why not? Or reading from the Hukla Israel every single day. So that's the preparation, that person prepares himself through words. We discuss preparing yourself through action, and that is by showering, by cutting your nails, we'll talk about that later on actually today, but preparing for the actual Shabbat day with food and everything else. Here, and then we spoke about words, preparing yourself with words, which is, the reading of the Hukla Israel or the Shnaim Mikram. And now we'll talk about the Hachanah Shalam Mahashabah. We'll talk about preparing oneself in thought. You have to prepare also your mind. How is that so? A person has to prepare in his mind that he has to receive the additional spiritual light that comes on Shabbat. And this is what you include in what the Hachamim bring, that you make yourself holy. How do you make yourself holy? Because you're designating. The word Kadosh doesn't just mean holy. That's the simple translation. The real translation of the word Kadosh is designation. Like we find under the Hupad, the husband tells his future wife, Hare at mekudeshet li. You're designated to me. You're makdish an animal to, as a korban. You designate the animal. In this week's parashat, parashat terumat, talks about hekdesh, designating money for the sake of the building of the Mishkan. That's all in the word Hedkadesh. So too, when we prepare ourselves to receive the extra soul on Shabbat, that's called being Kadosh. And how does it begin? Believe it or not, it doesn't begin on Shabbat. It doesn't begin even on Friday. But it begins on Wednesday of the week, the fourth day of the week, which is today. You have to prepare yourself as if you're ready to receive the soul. But in which part of the soul? The soul, the part of the soul that's called the nefesh from the next week. On Thursday, you prepare yourself to receive the ruach, the spirit. Or, see, it's hard to translate. I, really, I don't want to translate these words. Nefesh, ruach, neshama. Just bear with me. There's three parts of the neshama. Nefesh, ruach, neshama. And we have to prepare ourselves to receive all these parts. The translation in English is really lokedai, you know, it's not worth the time. Then you have, we say, and on Friday, 
Mishabbat Abba. And then on Friday, prepare yourself to receive the Nishabbat. And the actual time when they come in, the Mishabbat will explain in Parashat Vayera, when exactly did they come in, especially in the Tefillah of Shabbat. But our job is that we have to prepare ourselves to allow these parts of the soul to come in. You know, I hear something very interesting. The Benishah here comes, let me just finish this part, and he says like this. He says, you, by preparing yourself, you're able to receive those, those parts of the soul properly, and then you're able to feel the Kedushah much more on Shabbat Kodesh. And he says not only that, on the days afterwards, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday after Shabbat, a person also has to prepare himself not to parents but to think that he still retains part of these three parts of the soul, the nefesh, ruach, and neshama, meaning that the nefesh goes away from the person. He says that the parts start to leave the person on beginning Motzei Shabbat, but not everything leaves right away. The part of the nefesh will stay with the person all the way till Tuesday. The neshama will leave by Sunday, and the ruach will leave by Monday. So, therefore, a person has to have that in mind as well. You start to begin to prepare yourself to receive them from today, Wednesday, and then tomorrow you prepare yourself for the Ruach, and on Friday you prepare yourself to receive the Nishama. On Shabbat you get all these three parts, and on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you already prepare yourself that's leaving you those parts of the soul from last week are leaving you until the next Wednesday again where you prepare yourself to receive the new parts of the soul for the following week. It's interesting, I'll only mention this because it happens to be connected to this week's parasha. In this week's parasha, the Torah tells us, in parasha Tirmah, it tells us about the making of the menorah. The menorah, not like the one that we light on Hanukkah. In Hanukkah, we light eight candles. So most menorah that we have in our houses, we're familiar with eight sticks on the candle, on the menorah, on the, on the menorah, that's what it's called. On, in the one in the Beit HaMikdash, you'll notice there's seven. You look at the ones in the shul, you look in the pictures, pay attention, there's only seven. Three sticks on the right, Three sticking, three poles sticking out on the left, and one in the center. The Mikubalim explain that this represents the days of the week. The middle stick, where the middle pole, which has the candle over there, that one represents Shabbat, and three coming out from the right represents the three days before Shabbat, and the three sticks coming out from the left represent the three days after Shabbat. According to Mikubalim, the week really begins from Wednesday, and it finishes on Tuesday. And the three days before and the three days after Shabbat are all part of the Shabbat. And each part, each day, you prepare yourself really for the sacred Shabbat in that way. Meaning, like we just explained, Wednesday you prepare yourself for the nefesh. And that's why it's brought down that really, hachanot of Shabbat, preparation of Shabbat on Wednesday should be something with action. Because nefesh, according to Mikuvalim, represents the physical part of the person. And therefore, you should prepare yourself with anything like inviting guests or buying food for Shabbat. Not... The, all the food, like we said, that's really better to do on Friday, but any sort of physical preparation you should start to do on Wednesday. On Thursday, a person's avodah should be with mizvot that have to do with dibur because that's a part of the ruach which is in the area of speech. And therefore, we find that we read the Torah on Thursday. Friday, a person should already, with the neshama, a person already gets all the Shabbat preparations done and he has extra time. He should work also on musar, which prepares a person's mind. And that mahshaba represents the neshama which a person receives on Friday. And of course, Shabbat already, you come into Shabbat prepared to receive all these three parts. When you leave Shabbat, Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, these parts start to leave you. The neshama already starts to leave on 
on Sunday, because that's the holiest part, already starts to leave. Monday, the Ruach starts to leave, and that's why on Monday we also read the Sefer Torah, because Ruach represents speech. And finally, on Tuesday, we the last part of the sh- last week's Shabbat, which is the Nefesh, leaves us, and then we prepare ourselves again one day for the fresh new three parts of the soul, Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Rashetibot, Naran. This is what Ben Ishai brings down over here, and that based on the way the Mikubalim also explain. And this is why he explains, this is why we find the Halakha says that if a person forgets to make Havdalah on Motzei Shabbat, you have up till Tuesday to make it. Because once Tuesday night comes, it's already part of Wednesday, and that's already part of the next week. How come the Hakamim decide by Tuesday? And he explains based on this, because really the week or the parts of the soul from last week depart on Tuesday. That is Halakha Yud Bet. Halakha Yud Gimel, which speaks about removing the spider webs from the house. We discussed it last week, we're just going to skip it. And now we get to Halakha Yud Dalit, where the Ben Shah talks about taking haircuts and cutting your nails on Friday. This is going to be a halakha that uh, will go a little bit more in detail because it's probably very, very practical and very interesting as well. He says like this, Even though according to halakha, I really allowed to take a haircut the whole day. Even though if you can get a haircut even from a Jewish person the whole day, it's still preferable that a person should take a haircut before Midday. Midday means, according to, it will be either around 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock. Depends on the summer or the winter. Hatsot. Why? We find that the students that Ariza said about him, that he was very careful to make sure to take a haircut before Hatsot, before midday. So that's why we should also prepare ourselves to take a haircut. If a person needs to take a haircut, I should try to take it before Hatsot. The question is, why did the Arizal Take a haircut before Hatsot. How can we no one do it after Hatsot? Here we have a mahlokin understanding why the Rizal did what he did. Some explain that the reason why the Rizal didn't take a haircut after Hatsot on a Kabbalistic reason. What is that? The hair, according to Bikubalim, represents Midat Din. It represents Din, and that's why you're not supposed to keep your hair long, because if you keep your hair long, it's like feeding the other side, the evil side, that the, the side of Deen. So that's why if you look, a lot of people who, who have many customs based on Kabbalah, they'll cut their hair very, 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 very short. Very, you know, one or minus one, whatever it is. The, uh, the, uh, the Mikubalim also explain that after Hatzot, already when the time of Minhaz starts to come in, then in the world, there's usually Midat Hadin that's around in the world, and it's a man of Deen. And therefore, when you're cutting the hair, which represents a deen, you don't want to do it in the time where there's deen in the world. And that's why you should take a haircut before Hatzot. That's how some explain the Arizal. And that's why it has nothing to do with specifically with Arab Shabbat. Any day throughout the week, a person should never take a haircut after Hatzot. That's one explanation of the Arizal. However, many, many other Ahronim explain that the reason of the Arizal was very simple. Because the Gemara says a person shouldn't take a haircut before praying Minha. Although there's a mahlokit, which minha are we talking about? Is it the earlier minha, which is called minha gedolah, or is it the later minha, minha ketana? In any case, the Ariza was very mahmir. And after Hatzot, which already it's close enough to the time of getting a haircut, the Ariza was careful not to take a haircut. Why? Because he didn't pray minha yet. So it's very simple. And it's known that the Ariza used to pray minha right before sunset. He would not pray before that. He would pray right before sunset. And therefore, that's his reason of Hakpadar. It has nothing to do with Kabbalah. 
What's the difference? The difference will be throughout the week, anytime a person wants to take a haircut, should he wait till after Hatsur or not? It's going to be based on these two reasons. Akhamadiyya brings many, many, many Ahronim that say that the reason it has nothing with the reason not taking a haircut later has nothing to do with Kabbalah. And it's just because of Minha. So, therefore, throughout the week, if a person prayed Minha already, you can take a haircut afterwards. There's no problem to take a haircut after Hatsot, not only on Friday, but even on, throughout the week. And therefore, if a person wants to be makbid, it could be makbid, but there's no obligation for a person to be makbid. That's the halakha by haircuts. We move on now to the next part of the halakha, cutting one's nails. Says the Ben Ishai, Yizahir lakot yadav viraglav bechol shabbat. Listen to the words of the Benishai. You should be careful to cut your nails, your fingernails and your toenails every Friday. And if you can't do it every Friday, because, you know, some people's nails don't grow so fast. For those who grow so fast, okay? But those who don't grow so fast, so he says, what should you do? Then at least do it every two weeks on Friday. On that point... We'll come back over here and let's talk about cutting one's nails on the same day or a different day. You should know there's a lot of things that are brought down regarding cutting one's nails. And I don't want to go into all the details of the cutting one's nails. We'll spend the whole class just on cutting one's nails. But I know it's very, very interesting. I'm going to bring you a few things now that are brought down in the poskim and the halakha. Regarding? Regarding what? So I'm going to bring a few points over here regarding the cutting one's nails and we'll tell you exactly Ashkenazim, Sfaradim, a little bit of a difference between each custom, each minhag. There are things, it's definitely brought down. I'll tell you what I saw brought down, what I did not see brought down, what people, you know, think. Let's start like this. So, um, according to Mikubalim, a person should cut his nails specifically on Friday. Not any other day of the week, on Friday. What's the reason? Two reasons. Number one is that this shows that you're preparing yourself for Shabbat. If you cut it earlier, before Friday, it doesn't look like you're preparing yourself for Shabbat. It looks like you're just doing it out of convenience. So if you have a choice to cut your nails, you should do it on Friday. Does this mean it's Asur beforehand? It's not Asur. All these things are very, very nice. Like we said in last week's class, it's very good. You get a mitzvah for doing it, but you don't get an Avidah if you don't do it. <coughs> a person should try to do it on Friday. What about on Thursday? There are different people and they explain different things. If you cut on Thursday, they begin to grow so it depends how fast your nails grow. So since your nails start to grow already on Friday, so it doesn't look so clean if you cut it on Thursday. That's some people bring down. But really, my cardin again, there's nothing really asur to cut on Thursday, but it's preferable to do it on Friday. Now, we saw in the Benish High, he says that you should cut your nails, your toenails and your fingernails on the same day. Actually, this, a lot of Ashkenazim are makpeed on it, that they do not cut their nails, their toenails and their fingernails on the same day. If they ever, now we know that the fingernails grow much faster than the toenails. Maybe there's exceptions, I don't know, I haven't done a study. But in general, the fingernails and the toenails of a person grow differently. Uh, maybe I read somewhere, I think it's under a Snapple bottle, cap bottle, uh, bottle cap. So I don't know if that <laughs> qualifies for a real statistic or not. But I think it says over there that your fingernails grow to four to seven times faster than your toenails. Okay, you want to believe Snapple? Believe Snapple. In any case, we know that for sure that the fingernails grow faster. So it'll come up only once in a while, maybe once a month, once in a month and a half, that you'll have to cut your toenails as well. The Ashkenazim on Makpid are very careful 
that they don't cut their toenails and fingernails on the same day. So when such a thing happens, they cut their toenails on Thursday and their fingernails on Friday. That's what I saw brought down. The Sfaradim are not makbid. Hakam Metzion brings down. The Arizal is not, was not makbid. Some actually seem to say, you can't learn from the Arizal. The Arizal was very holy, therefore these things didn't affect him. But the Sfaradim seem to learn from the Arizal. <coughs> but the Sfaradim seem to learn from the Arizal and they say that you could be, you could cut your nails and toenails, fingernails and toenails on the same day without a problem. However, we do find from the Ashkenazim, the Hadushay Harim personally himself used to cut his toenails and fingernails on the same day when... When it was Erev Shavuot, because he compared it to a lady going to the mikveh. And that's why I want to point out also, if a lady has to go to the mikveh and she hasn't cut her toenails yet, she could cut on the same day without any problem. Any time that you need to cut your nails for the sake of a mitzvah, there's no problem. We're going to learn later on that the men also go to the mikveh on Fridays and they should try to go. Therefore, if they, they should really cut their nails on, toenails on Friday, on Thursday and their fingernails on Friday. This is Ashkenazim. But if they haven't done so, and especially that they go into the mikveh, then they should cut it on the same day. Another thing that's brought down is that this we discussed in Tashabiyab, in Halchot Tashabiyab, is that when your toenails or fingernails grow above the skin, that is no good, according to the Mikubalim. That's like putting out a, a, a table of food for the evil side, for the Sitra Ahra. This is where they eat from. I know it sounds a little spooky. I don't want to spook anybody out. I'm just telling you what they say. If you get spooked out, just turn off the radio for a second. Come back in two minutes. Anyway, that's what they bring down. That if you grow your nails above the skin, it's no good. So therefore, it's brought down that you should cut your nails if any time that they go above the skin and don't let them grow too much. The exception is obviously a mourner and a veil. That's a different halakha, different discussion. But over here, it will be the same thing. If you see that your toenails or fingernails are above your skin, even on the same day, you could cut it even if you're Ashkenazi, not a problem. Another point when cutting the nails, also the Ashkenazim are makpeed on it. And I personally do it because I learned about it originally before I saw that the Sarim are not makpeed on it. But it doesn't make a difference. You could do it. There's no Isur to, to, not, to do it or not. And that is cutting your nails out of order. That's brought down by the Ramah. He says that you should cut your nails out of order. What does that mean? Well, if you look at your hand, you have the thumb, then you have the index, the middle, the finger, the uh, ring finger, and then you have the pinky. And all these five, all these five fingers, you should not cut them in the order that I just said, which is thumb, index, middle. Don't do that. Cut them out of order. There's no. Spe- there is a specific order that's brought down, but really, a lot of Ahronim bring that you don't have to be makbir on that specific order as long as you don't cut them in order, which means you skip. For example, you start with the ring finger, then you jump to the index, and then you go to the pinky, and then you go to the middle, and then you go to the thumb. That you could do without a, that. That's the hakpada. That's the Ashkenazim or makpir on it. Again, the Rizal was not makpir on it. In fact, the Rizal used to uh, kind of like laugh about it, and he would not. He was not makpir on cutting his nails in such a way. And the Sfaradim also don't have a minhag and don't have an obligation to skip when they cut their fingernails. But if you want to do it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not not asur. It's it's okay. It's fine. You can do it. I personally do it. I told you because. That's how I got used to cutting my nails and therefore I continue cutting my nails in the same way. Another halakha, another thing that's brought down also, Ashkenazim are makpid again and Saradim are not. And that is cutting your nails on Rosh Hodesh. When it's Rosh Hodesh on Fridays, so here we have a tzavva'ah from Rabbi Yehuda Hasid who says not to take haircuts on Fridays. 
So a lot of people learn that this applies also not to Friday alone, but also applies to, um, excuse me, sorry. He, talk, he talks about the, the, the Rabbi Yudah Hasid talks about cutting your hair on Rosh Hodesh that should not be done. And a lot of people learn that this applies also to cutting your nails. So we tell you the same thing again. As Sfaradim, we're not makpid as Acham brings down. There's a whole discussion. But if a person wants to be makpid, you could be makpid. And therefore, when you cut your nails, again, the same point is we're pointing out the same thing. When you cut your nails on Friday, which is Rosh Hodesh, you have those on Matir. But if you don't want to, you want to be makpid to do it earlier than that, you could also do it earlier on, on, on Thursday. Ashkenazim are makpid, but Sfaradim are not makbid in all these things. And therefore, I'm just pointing out, if you want to do it, you can do it. The next point in the main is high, and that is regarding the nails. In fact, we're getting a text at the same moment that I'm about to say it. What about the nails? What do you do when you cut your nails? What do you do with your nails afterwards? So let me tell you what the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says as following. I think the Gemara says, Shosha midot, in cutting one's nails. I'm going to read you the words of the Gemara. Hasoref sepornav hasid. A person who cuts, who burns his nails is considered a hasid. He is a, more than a tzaddik, he is a hasid. Kobran, if you bury them, he's a tzaddik. Zorkam, but a person who just disposes of them, he throws them anywhere, he's a rasha. Why? Shema tabor alehin isha me'ubered v'tapil. Maybe a woman who is pregnant might walk on them and she could have a miscarriage. So that's brought down in the Gemara. It's not a heebie-jeebie thing. It's a Gemara brings it. It seems to be a makbir on it. And not, not only that, the halakha, the poskim, bring it down as well. The person who cuts his nails has to be careful to dispose of them properly. That women, especially women who are pregnant, should not walk on top of them. That they shouldn't miscarry. That's brought down in the Gemara. The halakha brings down, if you know for sure that there's an area that a woman will not step into, like, let's say, uh, a men's bathroom in, in the yeshiva or places, you know, today in the Beit Midrash also you have people, who, you know, sometimes women come in, uh, there's a simcha or something. So in a place where you for sure don't have an issue that women will walk by, then it's not a hakpada. People are not careful with it. In any case, you, although a person is not considered a shah, but he's also not a tzaddik or a hasid. The, it seems to be even the Gemara, and that's the way it's brought down, also the post scheme. The best thing you could do is to burn your nails. Not so practical nowadays, you know, uh, we don't want you to cause a fire and, uh, you know, some people get very excited around fire and, I don't know, be careful with it. Uh, that's all I can tell you. Make sure the fire department doesn't come after you and you don't send them after me, you don't send the police after me because I told you to burn them. I'm telling you what the Gemara says, to burn them is a khatila. What you could do is become a tzaddik, bury your nails. How do you bury your nails? You flush them down the toilet. That's burying them because that's considered disposing of them where nobody is going to step on them. The other way that if you cut them and they fall, sometimes when you try to cut your nails by, by, by the bathroom and the toilet, that, mean, that means you'll see that the nails are not, they don't, they don't listen to you all the time. They, try, they like to fly, they like to jump around and they don't stay in one place. So in such, a t- in such a case, when your nails flew all over the place, you should know the Gemara says that they only are harmful when they are in the place where they landed after you cut them. Cut your nails. And the nail landed, let's say, on the, let's say, on the floor right next to you, right next to the toilet. That spot over there, if it stays there and somebody steps on it, that's when they have the power. That's when they have an effect. However, if you move them even just a little bit from their spot where they landed, they lost their power. So therefore, 
If a person is cutting his nails, you should try to get rid of them. If you try to get rid of them, but you saw some of them flew around, then what you do is, you dust around the place, you dust, you, 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 you move the, the items around, just make sure that things move from their spot, and this way you won't have a problem of the nails harming anybody. And that's always a good idea. You never know if they flew, if all of them were, were able to be collected by you. So that's always a good idea. After you cut your nails, around where you cut, always dust just a little bit to make sure that things, if they landed there, should move and nobody and everybody should be safe. The Be'er HaTev brings an interesting explanation. He says, how come the nails harm pregnant women? And he explains that based on the Midrash, that Adam had shown before the sin of Hetadat, his whole body was full of nails was all nails. It was like, his, instead of his skin, basically, he had nails covering his whole body. That's what's p- what protected him. After the sin of Etzadat, the nails were reduced to what we see on the edge of our fingers, of our fingernails and our toenails. So he says, being that the nails, every time we cut our nails, which used to be our protection, now we, we're getting rid of it because we're feeding the Sitra every time we're cutting it, that nail is a reminder of the sin of Etzadat. And therefore, a woman who's pregnant, because she also became pregnant because of the sin of Etzadat, but she's the one who started the sin of Etzadat, it's a reminder of that sin, and therefore, it could affect her more than anybody else. And that's how the Be'er Hetev explains the reason why they're able to have power and effect. So, again, like we tell you, be careful with cutting one's nails, and if you see people cutting their nails, by the way, it's brought down, this is only true by Jews, not Not this is only true by Jews cutting their nails. Non-Jewish nails are brought down that doesn't have an effect like the way Jewish nails have an effect. So a person shouldn't uh, get too nervous around non-Jews or whatever, but around Jews, like we said, if you're nervous that somebody maybe cut their nails around, then what you should do is dust around or right before you come, it doesn't have to be your specific nail, just dust around, this way nobody steps on it. That's, I think, enough about nails. We'll move on now to the next halakha, which is bathing oneself before Shabbat Kodesh. And this is actually from the Gemara. It's a halakha, Ben Yishai writes over here. Mitzvah l'rhoz panav yada v'raglav b'mayim hamim b'chol ayib Shabbat. There's a mitzvah, there's a special mitzvah that a person should wash at least his head, his face, his hands, and his feet with hot water every Friday. And when you wash, you want to have good kavanot, have the following. Have in mind that you're getting rid of the klipa, like we mentioned, on the edge of the, of, the, of, the, of the body. The two ends of the body are the fingernails, or the fingers, and your toes. Those are the two ends of the body. And Mikubalim always bring down that at those places, you have the klipa, you have like the evil side, that's where they linger. That's where they hang around. Even if you're able to push them completely away, but they're still able to attach themselves to the edge of the body. So therefore, when you're washing yourself on hot water, on Arab Shabbat, on Fridays, you should have in mind that you're pushing away those klipot from the fingers and from the toes. You're getting rid of them of your body. And the Benish Ha'ar brings somewhere else that that's th- that power they're able to get rid of them from your feet is only applicable on Arab Shabbat, like the Kohanim. The Kohanim, if you look in the... In the 
you'll see in uh, parasha coming up, I think next week, Tetzaveh, we, it says over there that the Kohanim, before they work in the Beit HaMikdash, they have to wash their hands and their feet. We know we usually wash our hands. We wake up in the morning, we have Ruach Ra'ah, we wash our hands. How come we don't wash our feet? It says the Ben Yisrael, because we don't have the power to push away that, that Ruach Ra'ah from our toes. They're very strong down there. Spiritually, that is. You're not going to see it. If you do see it, um, come show me. Anyway, so you wash them away. The only time you have the ability to push them away is on Friday, why? Because Shabbat is compared to like Beit HaMikdash. Beit HaMikdash is a Kedushah in place. Shabbat is a Kedushah in time. Every single Shabbat, we have an experience of the Beit HaMikdash. Of course, in each person in his own level. And therefore, out of Shabbat, we're like the Kohanim preparing ourselves to work in the Beit HaMikdash. And therefore, we have to ha wash our hands and feet at least. Now, why am I saying this? Once upon a time, you can tell me, okay, maybe the guy didn't have enough water. I still remember as a boy, it's going to sound funny. My kids were laughing at me over Shabbat. But as a boy, I, I went to visit my, uh, my aunt in a, in a certain city, in the poorer cities of, of, of Syria. And back then, we didn't have hot water. We would take cold water in a big pot and boil it and then take a little bit of the hot water, mix it with the cold water and wash ourselves. So yes, once upon a time, hot water was very, very uh, scarce, so very little, and you had to do, you know, that way today, you put on the hot shower, it's very hard to only wash your head and feet and hands. So the reason why I tell you this, sometimes things come up, and the person is rushing into Shabbat, and before he knows it, it's almost Shekiah. And therefore, he had, doesn't have time to really jump into the shower, so at least put on the hot water, wash your face, your hands are already being washed, obviously, if you're washing your face, and wet your feet with hot water at least before Shabbat Kodesh comes in. And this way, you prepare yourselves at least. The Gemara says, I think one rabbi was, uh, right before he passed away, he, he went to take a hot shower on Friday. Why? He says, I'm coming to do a mitzvah. To wash yourself on Friday with hot water is very, very hashub. It's very, very important. I believe we have a question. No, we don't have a question. Okay. Let's move on. To halakha, tadzayin. So the question was asked, is it sanua for young girls to have long hair or not long hair? That's a more of a hashkafa question. I don't like to say hashkafa in public like this on the radio. And also, you have to know, this class is being is open to everybody. And there are many people on different levels. Hashkafa depends on the person. There's certain things that are black and white that could go across the board to everybody. And there are certain things that are applicable to Depends on the person, what level they're on, what level their children are on, and it's not a, uh, a you know, it's not like a cookie cutter. It's not one thing question to everybody. So therefore, um, I can't answer that question on the radio. You have to know who the person is. Ask your local rub exactly what is proper, what is proper tzniot or not for that. Uh, I don't want to bring even kabbalistic things. We have a question, another question. Yeah, Rabbi, I have another question on the air for you. Hi. Here you go. Here you go. Headphones, no? Is it? Hello? 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 Hello, you're on the air? Yes, yeah. How are you? How are you? Baruch Hashem. What do I hear, Nako? I'm sorry? No, no, I'm talking to our technician. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I want to know, when you mentioned about the cutting the nails, that uh, non-Jewish, you don't have to be aware of it. Right. When, uh, let's say, uh, when a lady goes into the nail salon, and they cut. I, can, I cannot hear you. Just one second. Go ahead again. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, go ahead. Okay. And you mentioned about the meals, cutting the meals, and non-Jewish is not so, not so much... Uh... Hello. I'm sorry, uh, something happened. Okay, I apologize. Sorry, something, something from the inside, yeah. Maybe try to call back later. The best if you can text it, and then we'll see it on the air. I mean, on the text message. What are we up to now? Halakhat Zain. Halakhat Zain. The Ben talks about going to the Mikveh. I'm not going to go into it and read the whole thing. But I'm going to tell you outside, because we're running out of time. I really want to finish this parashat this week. Mikveh for men on Eid of Shabbat is very, very holy. It's very, very important. Ben talks about how important it is. I'm going to bring you a quote from three old Sefarim about three to four hundred years ago and some even five hundred years ago about the importance of the mikveh. I'm going to say it in English. I'm not going to bother saying it in Hebrew. We're running out of time. First of all, from the Reshit Chokhmah. The Reshit Chokhmah, which is a book, a very holy book on Musar and a very scary book. They have yet to translate in English for a reason. Anyway, the Reshit Chokhmah says like this. The main thing that a person must do in order to get his Neshama is to dip on Friday to remove his weekdays clothing and to adorn his Shabbat clothing, the Shabbat spirit, the Ruach of Shabbat. And how does that come? By dipping in the mikveh. That's one already, that's the Rishit Chokhmah. And we're talking, by the way, these rabbis spoke about, not, not because they didn't have showers back then, they're talking about specific mikveh. Even if you shower, even if you prepare yourself, that's great, that's wonderful, and you should do it. We're telling you here, additional, added to the, to the showering and preparing yourself physically, spiritually, to dip in the mikveh. Next, the Shlah Kadosh, Shnelechot Abirit, who was a rabbi of Prague from about 500 years ago. He says that anyone who dips on Fridays is called a Kadosh. Kadosh Amir Lo. If you dip on Friday, you consider a holy person. The Haye Adam, who was around the time of the Gaum of Vilna, about 250 years ago, he says that one who has the proper midot and proper traits and dips on Fridays, you could feel the Neshama Yitara right after you dip. And when you feel the Neshama come to you, you'll start burning with the love of Hashem and the fear of Hashem. And he says at the end of his words, beautiful words, he says, Baduk umnusa, which means this has been tested and proven. You hear that? By dipping on Fridays and you, you, you prepare yourself, it doesn't come to just anybody. You got to be a little bit of a person with uh, proper midot and things. And you come and you dip on Friday, you will see like the... Uh, what's the name? Like he says, like the Hayat uh, Dam says, you'll feel the Nishamayitar coming and become, and you'll, you'll feel the love of Hashem. Ben Ishai also talks about that a person should try to dip in the mikveh on Shabbat. Now, here it's a little bit more complicated. Once upon a time, there was no heats in the mikveh. Today, anybody who goes to the mikveh knows that there's heats in the mikveh itself, and the water is cooked, if you want to say it's cooked, but it's warmed up. In the mikveh itself. Back then, it wasn't like that. So when Abedishah talks about dipping in the mikveh, you have to know, he's talking about in his times. Today, to dip in the mikveh on Shabbat, I'm not saying it's asur. It's mutar. You just have to be careful with a few issues. It's not the right time to go into it, but you should know that some mikvaot are not necessarily run by tamidah hachamim. You know, they could be the rabbi of the shul, but he may not know exactly what's going on in the mikveh, not because he doesn't know. He just maybe is not on top of it. Or the person, the attendant of the, of the mikveh, sometimes may do things and he doesn't, doesn't realize if it's according to halakha or not. The main issue is, water cannot be cooked on Shabbat. It doesn't mean cooked on Shabbat. It means water to bathe in. You cannot bathe in hot water on Shabbat 
or warm water. So a person has to be careful. Then before you walk into the mikveh, make sure it's not yet solid. It's not even yet solid. Excuse me. It's not above 98 degree temperature, and that's very hard to figure out, really. So you have to be on top of it. Just make sure it's not too warm. That's issue number one. Number two is I've seen. I've seen. You know, I, I do go to mikveh also on Shabbat, but I've seen sometimes people come into the mikveh yeah. and they take hot showers. They mean well. Because it says in the sign, it says, do not go into the mikveh before showering. But you should know on Shabbat, it's an issue to take a hot shower on Shabbat. When you put on hot water, that immediately creates a halul Shabbat. Again, it's not the time to go into it, but a person has to be careful not to take hot showers on Shabbat, even for the sake of the mikveh. The other thing a person has to be careful with is drying yourself after the mikveh. The issue is sahita. What does that mean? To press from the hair, wherever there's concentrated amount of hair that you should press to squeeze out the water, so then that will be an issue on Shabbat, although it's derabanan, but still an issue, and therefore a person has to be careful when drying himself on Shabbat. Like Ibn Shahi brings down, just pat it. We'll get to these halakhot later on, Barzat Hashem. Also, it's brought down a post scheme. I don't know if people do this or not, I haven't seen it, but sometimes the mikveh, the people take the towel and they squeeze the water out of the towel. I don't know. I've never seen it. But if it happens, I'm just mentioning it. A person should be careful with it. That last thing is, although it's not so applicable over here, as much as it is in Eretz Israel, in Eretz Israel, everybody goes to the mikveh with their own towels. Here, they provide you with towels, at least in most mikvaot. So if you're going to the mikveh, make sure that you don't go carrying your towel because to carry the towel uh, regularly, that might be a problem of carrying. And uh, again... I'm just highlighting certain issues that could be with a person to begin to make That means that's what to dip. You just have to know how to do it in the proper way. Okay, so here's the question regarding the nails. What about if a lady goes to a salon and over there they have Jews and non-Jews cutting their nails, how she should be careful? That's a good question. That's a good point. Um, you're, you're, you never know where it is. Listen, the Gemara seems to speak, uh, you know, harshly about this, about cutting nails and leaving them to the point that calls a person a rasha. So what I'd recommend is you're paying for the, uh, you know, to the salon, you're paying for a manicure or pedicure, whatever it is. So I recommend that the lady, before you come in, you say, could you please, you know, sweep around? I get very uh, disgusted. You know, I don't understand. When you get disgusted, people will clean up for you. When you come to a restaurant, you say, can you move this? I don't know. I've never been to a manicure or a pedicure. I don't know what goes on. Could you request that they should sweep? If you could request, ask them just to sweep. Once they sweep already, things move out of the way. That's fine. Or to clean the chair, then you don't have an issue. To sweep around where you're going to step, then you for sure don't have an issue. Even if it still didn't sweep up everything on the floor. But once they moved it, already it takes you out of harm's way. Okay, here's another question. What about filing one's nails? Do the shaving have the same laws of disposal as regular clipping since there is no concern about a lady miscarrying her child? That's a very interesting question. What about if a person files their nails? Um, I don't know how you're able to really get rid of you know, the, the dust of the nail. You know, you're going to collect it, you put it away. Usually it just stays on your finger, you blow it and it goes away. And most of the time it's going to get moved. Like we said, it's only harmful right after they leave your finger and where they land first. Once you fire your, your nails, they, st they left your finger and they landed on your finger. So you're blowing them away. They're already moving from their regular place. Unless the thing directly falls on the floor. But I believe in that case, anyway, they move around. Interesting. I don't have an exact answer, but I would say it's probably not an issue. This is just off the top of my head. I'll research a little bit more. Next. Halakai Yudzayin. 
we already discussed it, drying oneself after the mikveh, like we said, a person has to be careful. Wherever this concentrated amount of hair, which is, let's say, on his head, on his beard, or any part of his body, he should be careful not to press on the towel and to dry it. That has its own issue on Shabbat. Halakayud hit. I see we're running out of time. I don't know if we're going to be able to read this inside. Halakayud hit. I'll just read the first line, and from there we'll go on. Quote, the Benishai says, A person should be careful to designate clean and good clothing in honor of Shabbat. And although people are not no heg to um, designate in the times of the Benishai, undergarments were, uh, you know, pants and, and shirt were like more undergarments. If you ever look at the old way, the, the way the Men dressed in the Middle East, they wore like a almost like a like an uh, overcoat or you want to call it an overcoat, like a robe, basically. Yeah, that's what they wore back then. So the undergarments, he says, people in his time were not nohek to be miyahed to designate these type of clothing for Shabbat. Only what you see on the outside, like today. Although today have to, people have Shabbat clothing today, I don't know if people have undergarments that are designated just for the sake of Shabbat. You should know it's brought down. That's very, very important to be mehid as much as you can, everything. Mitzad halacha, the Gemara says, the Gemara says, mefurash, vechibato, you have to honor Shabbat. How do you honor Shabbat? You have special clothing for Shabbat. As the Gemara point explains, Rabbi Yohanan would call the clothing mechubadai because the clothing is what gives a person honor. Meaning, if you as a man would wear a suit or if you wear shorts, you'll be treated differently. People respect you differently. If you come in, even if you're a person who is not so hashum, but you wear a suit, all of a sudden you'll see that people will respect you differently. And you can be the most important, dignified person. If you come in wearing shorts, people will treat you like, you know, you're coming off on the beach, they treat you like a regular guy. It all depends on the way you dress. So for the honor of Shabbat, clothing which gives, which calls out for the person's kavod, for the honor of Shabbat, a person should have special clothing for Shabbat Kodesh. There is a beautiful story. I just have to mention this. I know I'm running out of time, but I'm going to... Can we go over time maybe? Yeah, you'll, you'll, maybe we'll sacrifice on the song. Okay, so the, there is, a, there is a, um, a story about a certain Rebbe whose Talmidim wanted to figure out, they wanted to see if they could feel Shabbat Kodesh throughout the weekday. Maybe they felt, you know, maybe the whole reason why we feel so spiritual and holy on Shabbat is because, you know, we shower ourselves, we pray ourselves, we eat delicious food. So what they decided is, that on a, one of the days of the week, let's say Monday or Tuesday, they went, they went to the mikveh, they showered, they put on the Shabbat clothing, they made the same foods that they would make on Shabbat. And lo and behold, they felt the holiness of Shabbat even on Monday. So then they were very, very disappointed. Seems like Shabbat has nothing special. They're feeling it the same way during the weekday. It must be. It's all the, f the way we prepare ourselves. So they came to their Rebbe and the Rebbe told them, you put on your Shabbat clothing? And they said, yes. He says, aha. So because you put on your Shabbat clothing, that's why you felt the Kedusha. The Kedusha remains with your clothing. And it's brought down one of the uh, Slonimer Rebbeim that one time he felt on Shabbat a little bit something missing. Something was wrong on Shabbat Kodesh. And then after examining and thinking what could be wrong, he realized that he was wearing the socks of his weekday, not his Shabbat socks, regular weekday socks. And that's why there was like a little bit of interruption with the Kedusha. So these are people who are very, very close to the Neshaman. They were very sensitive to the Neshaman. That's why they're able to feel what they were able to feel. But it doesn't take away. It is there. 
we just have to uh, be able to uh, become more sensitive, but we can definitely feel it. So therefore, the Mikubalim bring down that if a person could, he should wear four garments white. These should not be a suit. Although the Mikubalim bring down, and they speak very, very much about wearing white on Shabbat, and that's what Benishai also brings down, but a person should not wear white where the custom of even Bnei Torah is that everybody wears black. Meaning, all today, all the Rosh Yeshivot, all the Bnei Torah, they all wear black suits. If you walk around with a white suit, as the Gemara says, it'll be like a hatan amongst the Avelim. You're sticking out, besides that it looks very weird. And to Yohara, and it looks like you're, you're showing off. A person should not do such a thing. But you can still wear four, four white garments. You have an undershirt, an underwear, a tzitzit is also white. And if you wear a white shirt, that's already four white garments corresponding to the four letters of Havaya. You don't have to wear something white on the outside in order to be. You can wear white in many different ways without people having to see. And it can be Yotzei De Hubad Mikubalim of having four white garments on Shabbat. Bring you just an interesting, another interesting story. There was uh, once about Tshuva, in the, in the about Tshuva Yeshiva, American Yeshiva. And one day his Rosh Yeshiva sees him, he's wearing two pairs of tzitzit. He says, what are you doing? Why are you wearing two pairs of tzitzit? He says, Rabbi, you know, I'm Hosea B'Tshuva, I want to catch up on the days I've missed. He says, but, but you look weird, you know, you, you can't look weird, you cannot be weird. He says, no, I don't care, you know, I'm wearing it. So the Rebbe and the student were having a whole argument for weeks. The student refused to take off the second pair. He wanted to wear two pairs of tzitzit. So finally the Rebbe said, you know what? Let's go ask any gadol. They lived in Israel, they lived in Yerushalayim. They said, let's go to any gadol you want. Me and you will go, we'll ask any rabbi that you want. And we'll ask him, we'll see what they say. You ready to go? He says, yeah, but I choose a gadol. He says, okay, fine, choose. Who do you want to choose? He said, let's go to Rav Scheinberg. We all know Rav Scheinberg, Zatzal, used to wear 100 pairs of tzitzit. Okay, so he figured up Scheinberg and gave him the hetay. They go to Rav Scheinberg. The Rebbe says what he has to say. The Talmud says what he has to say. So Rav Scheinberg, if you know Rav Scheinberg, he was a man of little words, but they had a lot of uh, depth to his words. He turns to the, to the Talmud, he grabs his hand, and he looks at him with his very soft eyes, and he tells him, be normal, take off your tzitzit. <laughs> this is Rav Scheinberg. You cannot stick out. You cannot walk around and, you know, because you're drawing attention to yourself. That's not the way of Judaism. You try to do whatever you can do, but it's without publicizing to everybody. I'm looking at the time. We're very, very late. Um, just we'll end off with this last point, with this last question. Does one need to designate special shoes for Shabbat? Although Mehalacha, the Benish Hai, not here in Rapi Alim, and Acham say that you don't need to designate shoes for Shabbat. However, if a person could do it, you get a special beracha for the Ben Yishai and Acham But as far as an obligation, there is no obligation. Although I believe today the Minhag is anyway, most people do have Shabbat shoes. It's wonderful, it's great. But Mitzad din you don't have to have special shoes for Shabbat. Okay, we'll end off with this. We'll meet next week. We'll finish up these halachot. We'll answer the questions that we didn't get to. And we'll move on already to Parashat. Vayira, which talks about Kabbalah Shabbat. Until then, I want to thank J Radio and Rav David Levine taking all the phone calls. I appreciate it very much and thank you very, very much for listening. We'll see you here next week, 2 to 3 o'clock. And if you want to hear this again, you can listen either on J Radio or next Tuesday evening at 10 p.m. Have a wonderful week and a wonderful Shabbat.